Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. Hey, have you ever noticed that there's some things that are just hard to get over? Like when, you, uh, when, you, when you're at a restaurant and you're eating and you're like halfway into your meal and then you notice there's a hair in your food. It's just hard to get over that one. By a show of hands, we don't want to call anybody out, but by a show of hands, you, you're so hardcore, you would, just, you would just remove it and you would just keep going. By a show of hands, you people need prayer. We're going to have an altar call for you after this. I can't, I, I'm, just, I'm just being straight. I cannot get over it. When I see something like that, I'm like, I'm done. Oh, I'm getting clammy, sweating. Jennifer's like, just get over it. Just get over it. Come on. You know, she's hardcore. She, she's like that parent. She's like, you know, food falls on the ground, the kids eating. She's just like, blow it off, pick up, out, and just like, go ahead, eat it, son. We pray. As, she's got like a 30 second rule. I mean, like when I was growing up, it was like a half a second rule. It's like, get it, you know, kiss it. You know, it's like, it's, it's good. You just got to get over it. Uh, there's, there, here's another thing as it relates to restaurants. As you can tell, we're kind of foodies. We love, that's one of the reasons I think we love San Francisco is we love all the restaurants here. But there's another thing that's hard to get over. In San Francisco, we have a lot of small restaurants here. Everything's small here, right? And so a lot of times you have to, if you're going to go to the restroom in a restaurant, you're, you're, you're going to walk past a kitchen or maybe even through a kitchen. And there's some things that you can see in a kitchen that you're eating at, like, you know, things moving and crawling that should not be things barking or meowing that should, you know, there's things that you can see. I just can't get over it. When I see certain things in the dirty kitchen, I'm like, I just can't do it. Can't eat here. Can't do it. There's some things, it really is, it's just terribly hard to get over. I was thinking about this. I was reluctant to share it, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, and, and this, if you're a dad in here, then you can relate to me. As a man um, that, that, you know, I think women would be okay with this, but as a man, when you see childbirth, that's hard to get over as well. <laughs> It just is. Very hard to get over. Yep, <laughs> Nate knows what I'm talking about. It's just hard to get over. There's a lot of things in life that's hard to get over. Uh, first, first, your, first, your first love, and, you know, they crush you and they break up with you. That's hard to get over. I was dating this girl named Mandy. and What an 80s white girl name, huh? <laughs> Mandy. If your name's Mandy here, I bet you were born in the 80s, and I bet you're white. <clears throat> but Jason is also an 80s white boy name too, isn't it? Um, I was dating this girl named Andy. Uh, Andy. <laughs> Andy, where are you at? Andy, somewhere over here. Andy Walters. I was dating Mandy, and uh, I loved this girl. Oh, man, I loved her. As much as you could love someone for being dating for two weeks, you know. I just loved her. It was, I was in love. And she crushed me after two weeks. She dumped me for my brother. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> the only way I could get over that was this. Now, listen, you, I'm going to date myself. I think this was like, what, maybe early 90s. I don't even remember. But um, I would lay uh, on the, on, we had a water bed. And I would lay, <laughs> worst invention ever, by the way. I would, I remember I would lay on that water bed. And because I'm, 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 I'm a guy, you know, the sheets don't fit the water bed. They're kind of, and so I'm laying there crying, tears, face sticking to that water bed. Listening to Mariah Carey, I'll be there. Just, Mariah Carey got me through it, that unplugged version. You remember that one? 
It was, it was good. And I finally got over it. There are some things in life that they are. They're, they're so hard to get over. But what I've discovered is the hardest thing to get over is when someone has hurt you. When someone that you love or you care about or you thought you were friends with, and maybe even a stranger, whenever they, they hurt you, they do something to offend you. They say something about you. They say something, uh, they say something about you behind your, back, behind your back. They slander you. They gossip you. They run your name in the mud. Or maybe it's a business partner that betrays you, does a shady kind of business deal. Or, or maybe it's a, a spouse that leaves you, a girlfriend, a boyfriend that, that cheats on you. Whatever it may be. Uh, whenever someone does something or maybe doesn't do something or says something or doesn't say something, the pain that that can cause to our heart and really to our soul, to our emotions, it can be one of the hardest things for us to get over. But the reality is, is that God's word, it causes us to get over it. It causes us to get those things out of our life. It causes us to, cause us to move beyond that and to move past that. But the sad thing is there's a lot of people, Christians even, that can be in this moment, this window of time, this one scene of their life, something happened to them, and all of a sudden it just cripples them and they never move beyond it. Yeah, they may, may move cities, they may change jobs, they may go into another marriage, but they never deal with this pain. And because of it, it does something on the inside of them. It creates a toxicity on the inside of them. They get this toxic soul about them, and then it begins to damage everything. It can freeze frame our life if we don't deal with those moments. And what happens is, is whenever we get offended, here's why it's so hard. When you and I get offended, when someone hurts us, when someone wounds us, when someone rejects us, abandons us, abuses us, here's what happens. The reason why it's so hard for us to get beyond it is because when someone does something to you like that that's painful, there's a sense on the inside of us. You may not say it like this. This may not be the way you articulate it. But what happens to us, as I've done 17 years of counseling, every single person that has been hurt by somebody else, they feel like something has been taken from them, something has been stolen from them, something has been robbed from them, and that person that hurt them, the offender, has now accrued a debt. And here's what they, they either say it or they don't say it, but they, this is what they mean. That person is going gonna to pay for this. Because I'm not going to have to pay for this. There has to be payback. That's where we get payback from. Payback is when someone has accrued a, accrued a, a debt and they've taken something from us and then we say, we're going to make them pay for this. We're going to pay them back either by the silent treatment or we're going to talk about them behind their back. Or we're going to, you see what I'm saying? There's a payback system that we create, a fence. It accrues a debt and someone has stolen something from you and they're going to pay for it. Let me give you a couple examples. When a person has been sexually abused, they have this sense that their innocence was robbed from them. When a person's parents divorce when they're young, they have this sense that they were robbed of a normal childhood. When a friend betrays you, you have this sense that you were taken advantage of. When someone gossips about you behind your back, there's this sense that, that the respect and the honor that you deserve was robbed from you and taken from you. Offense equals hurt, and hurt creates a debt, and someone has to pay for it. But it shouldn't be me. That may not be the way you have ever, ever said it before, but I found in my own life, when people have hurt me, I feel like they've stolen from me, and I want them to pay for it. And sometimes the way I make them pay for it is I mean back to them. I give them the silent treatment, or I say I'm just going to avoid them or abandon them. I want them to pay for it because I shouldn't feel this. They should feel this. That's what we do in our human nature. But the Bible calls us to forgiveness. So if offense is when someone accrues a debt because they've offended you, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt, saying you don't owe me anymore. Listen, this is at the crux of the gospel. We have accrued a debt because of our sin, our offense towards God, but because of Jesus Christ, what he's done on the cross, he has canceled the debt 
We don't know God anymore. This is the gospel. How do we, how do we as Christians not only preach a gospel, gospel, but we actually personify it? It's by forgiving people that have accrued a debt. Forgiveness, it is a decision to cancel a debt that someone's created by hurting you and declaring, you don't owe me anymore. Let me give you a good reason. Let me, let me tell you why. Now, I'm just going to tell you what. I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to tell you how. So what should you do? You should forgive people. You should cancel the debt. Number two, here's, here's the second thing is, why should we do it? Here, I'll give you a few reasons. Number one is, because unforgiveness, it hurts you. Bitterness, it hurts you. A lot of times we think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this and harbor this and make them pay for it. But the whole time, we're having to pay for it. We're the ones that are, that are really getting the brunt force of all of this is whenever we harbor unforgiveness. Look what Hebrews chapter 12 says, verse 14. The writer says, watch out, which means you need to be aware of this. You need to keep a handle on this. You need to keep your pulse on this. You need to be alert about this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up, look, to trouble you, to hurt you, to harm you. I, w- I, wanna, I want you to recognize a few things here. The first thing is it says is it's, it's poisonous. You know that bitterness is a poisonous. It, it's toxic for, for our souls. I love what Joyce Meyer says. Joyce Meyer says, Biz, uh, bitterness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Isn't that brilliant? Bitterness is like drinking poison expecting the other person to die. Bitter people are no fun to be around, are they? You ever been around those people? They're always negative. They're always pessimistic. They're mean-spirited. They're hurtful to other people. They're quick to respond in defensiveness. These are people that have a bitter soul. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there before, so I know it. I can call it when I see it. I smell it all over somebody. When they have bitterness, it's like a spray. They're just spraying that bitterness all in there. It's poison. It is, it is complete poison. And my heart, listen, I don't judge those people. My heart goes out to them because I used to be that person. Notice it also says this, that a poisonous root of bitterness grows up. What does that mean? That, that bitterness never stays in seed form. It always grows. It's like a vine, like a weed. It will begin to just grow and, 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 and get all over your soul. It will begin to permeate every area of your life, the, your marriage, your kids, your family, your job, every single thing. It will begin to literally, it will grow around your life and choke the life out of you. It grows. Bitterness, it grow, it's a poisonous root that will grow. It will grow. And then it also says that it, it, it troubles you. I was a troubled young man. Uh, my, my parents went through uh, a, a really messy divorce, and it, it wasn't my mom's doings at all. My, my dad was a very broken man. My parents were in ministry, and I've, I've shared some of this uh, before, uh, but my parents were in ministry, great pastors, but my dad grew up in a home where there was extreme brokenness there. His mother would come home from a bar every other night with a different man. And they were very poor. And he, he slept in, my, in his mother's bedroom on a cot at the end of the bed. And she would come home with a different man very often. My dad would have to pretend like he was asleep. Imagine the, the post-traumatic stress that you would get from something like that. Imagine the pain of seeing this, a very broken relational pattern, and he watched that growing up, and he never dealt with it. You see, if you don't deal with your pain, your pain will deal with you. Eventually, it will surface up. Later on in his marriage, he just became a very broken person. He saw a bad pattern, and then his life began to follow that pattern. 
became verbally and physically abusive to our family. My mom lived in a battered women's shelter for a period. I mean, life was very challenging. Why? Because he never dealt with that pain. He never dealt with those things. But as a young man, as I began to walk through that, it was such a cycle because my dad came from a broken home. And then because he never dealt with that, it, those issues, then our home became broken and fragmented. And then I began to get bitter at him, bitter at God, bitter at everyone, all because of someone in our family not dealing with what they needed to deal with. And I began to get very toxic on the inside, and I became so troubled. And here's what I discovered um, as a young man, is that when, whenever you're hurting and you're feeling pain, here's what the enemy tries to teach you to do. He's, he tries to teach you to, to, it's a legitimate thing. You have a need. You need healing for your hurt. But what the enemy does, the enemy of our soul, he, come, he brings in some illegitimate form of healing, which is just uh, anesthetizing our pain, either through substance abuse, through being addicted to pornography, all these different things. They just try to soothe the pain in our soul. And so for me, I became a fighter. I, don't, I know I don't look like a fighter. I know I have glasses and I'm, I'm you know, a little skinny, maybe a little chubby, however you see that. But there was a time in my life I was a fighter. And I could still take these glasses off and roll somebody up if I had to. I'm just telling you that right now. I don't. I keep it holy. Keep it holy. But you know what? I, I think I shared this one week with you guys. But the first time I ever got in a fight, I was 15 years old in the middle of, I mean, right, that was in the eye of the storm of our family. Just complete brokenness. And I got in a fight with this guy. And as soon as I, as soon as I beat this guy up, I, I discovered something. The pain was gone when I inflicted pain on someone else, temporarily. It was just an anesthetic to the pain in my soul. Write this down. Hurt people hurt people. If you have people in your life right now that's, that's, that's hurtful to you, you know what? Here's the reality is they're hurting. There's, there's a deep hurt in their soul. There, there's pain that they're experiencing, and that's why they're hurting you. There's a cycle I've discovered uh, in my own life. And I think as I've, as I've ministered to other people, here's how it happens. I, I drew this. I don't think they have it for the notes, uh, but I drew this in my, in my notes. Hurt. There's an offense. There's a hurt. There's a pain. There's a wound that happens in our life. Then if we don't deal with it, it turns to, to bitterness. It's the root of bitterness. Then bitterness turns to resentment. And we begin to resent the offender. And resentment turns to anger and rage. And then we become a volcano and someone pushes on our buttons, and then we hurt them. And then guess what happens? Then they have to deal with something called bitterness. Then that bitterness turns, you see, it's a cycle, and the only thing to break the cycle is grace. The only thing to break the cycle is forgiveness. Listen to me, but, but, but listen. Oh, I love this. If, if someone's offended you, and, and you're looking at them, and you're demonizing them, saying that person is a terrible human, watch this. If you never deal with the offense and the wound, who you resent, you'll eventually resemble. That was great. My dad was a broken, sexually broken, emotionally broken, relationally broken man that never dealt with his issues. Then he wounded our family. My mom dealt with it in a healthy way by prayer and fasting and seeking God and never letting up, pursuing God in the middle of a trial. And I ran to fighting and drugs and immorality and sexual, all these crazy things. And, and then I, I, here's what I began to say. It was like an inner vow, a promise. I'll never be like my dad. 
But because I never dealt with the pain and the wound, I guess, I guess I began to actually resemble the very one I resented. I became angry. I became sexually broken, emotionally broken. I became physically abusive. Everything that I hated and resented, I then resembled because I never dealt with it. You got to deal with it. Why should you forgive? Number one is because forgiveness hurts you. Number two, because you will need forgiveness again one day. You're probably not going to have a, a, a perfect slate between now and to the time you see Jesus unless you have a heart attack in the middle of church today, which we're praying that doesn't happen because we don't have a plan for that. <laughs> I guess we could pray resurrection power over you. <clears throat> but, but there's going to come a moment, listen to me, here's why you need to forgive people. There's going to come a moment where you're going to need forgiveness again. You're going to need it again. You're going to need grace again. There, there's going to come a moment where you're going to say something you shouldn't say, not say something you should say, do something you shouldn't do, not do something you should do. There's going to come a moment, and you're going to need grace from God and from other people. Let me show you a few uh, scriptures really quick. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, if you forgive, somebody say forgive. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. This is, this is, this is a challenging verse, the next one. If it just stopped in verse 14, that'd be great. But then it says this, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a challenge. That, that, that is hard. If we, just, if we just take it at surface value, that is a challenging and a very weighty matter right there. But look at this in Matthew chapter 6, just to give you more proof of this. This is Jesus teaching, teaching his disciples, here's how you should pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Remember accruing a debt. Forgive us our debts or our sins. Look at this. As we, to the same degree, in the same manner, also we have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. You know what this prayer, Jesus says, here's what your prayer should be like. God, I pray that you'd forgive me the way I forgave my dad. God, I pray you'd forgive me the way I forgave my ex-girlfriend. God, I pray you'd forgive me the way I have already forgiven my boss, the way I've forgiven the friend that backstabbed me. God, for, in the same degree, to the same standard, to the same level, to the same measure, give me grace the way I'm giving other people grace. I don't know how often I can pray that prayer. Could we just Thomas Jefferson that piece and cut that one out? Look at this, Mark eleven twenty five. But when you are praying, Jesus says, first, forgive anyone, anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. Two. Let me be crystal clear to you. I am not saying that God's forgiveness is conditional, for if it were conditional, it would not be grace. It's all grace. No conditions. But what I do see in these scriptures and in Jesus' teachings on the ethics of the kingdom, we see him making a connection between this, the forgiveness that we receive and the forgiveness that we give. He expects forgiven people to forgive people. Listen, here, you could sum this entire thing up in this. If hurt people hurt people, the kingdom teaches that forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Here's a statement that changed my life. Fraser and I, were, we, were, uh, we were traveling. We were in Oklahoma City. And probably the most influential, impactful person in my life, my spiritual like mentor, this person 
meant everything to me. He deeply hurt me, deeply. Just made some bad decisions. And he failed. He failed in some areas. And I was so angry at him. And I was sitting at a dinner. We were around the table, and there's this guy named John Gray. If you don't know who that is, he's just an amazing pastor, and he's a good friend of mine. And sitting at this, this table, he was not even speaking to me, but the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. It's crazy how God works. He was just sharing a story, and then he made this statement. I'm sitting there not even really listening to anything he's saying because I was so, I was so mad and angry and bitter on the inside at my, at my spiritual father. And in that moment right there, I heard this. It was like everything went silent, and God was on a, like a microphone. And he said this. Mm. That was how he started. Mm. You know it's going to be good. Mm. We should extend the grace we hope we someday never need. We should extend the grace we hope we someday never need. Changed my life. You know what you're saying? Man, we got to just extend grace to people. We, we got we to we forgive people in the way that we, one day, we hope it doesn't happen, but one day we may need grace again, is what John was saying. There's a day you may need the mercy of God again. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we forgive? Matthew chapter 5 says this. Jesus gives instructions on extending grace to people, your enemies, those that have hurt you, those that there, there may be enmity between you and them. He says, you've heard, uh, heard it once said, you shall give, or excuse me, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, you, that, that's kind of the, like a, that's, that seems normal, right? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That sounds kind of normal, average. Seems like that's, that's totally easy to live like that. And then he says, no, nah, but I got something else to say. I like it. Jesus just likes to flip the script on the standard and the norm. He says this, you've heard that you should love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I say I'm calling you to a new standard, Jesus is saying. I'm calling you to a new radical minimum, a new standard, a new norm. This is a kingdom norm. This is a kingdom ethic. This is a kingdom standard. He says, I tell you this, love your enemies. The crowd would have went, oh, don't say that, Jesus. Love your enemies. I don't like this one either. Bless those who curse you and flip you the bird. Bless them. That person at your office that hates you, buy them a coffee. That's deep. That's, that's, you're, Jesus, you have crossed the line. Coffee's for saints, not sinners. Do good. Serve them. And pray for those who spitefully use you, who take advantage of you. Pray for them. Jesus is telling them to do something that I, I actually think is impossible to do in our own strength. Here's what he's saying, step one. Here's step one for you. You want to know how you can forgive people? This is what I've learned. You got to choose grace over grudge. You got to choose grace over grudge. Your natural, your, your flesh, you're made up of flesh and, if you're a Christian, spirit, right? The spirit of God's in you, but you still, you have flesh. The spirit of God is going to call you to give grace, to, to choose grace over grudge. But your flesh is always going to want to choose grudge over grace. Every single time. You know why? Because someone owes you and someone's got to pay for this. You got to pay them back. 
That's what your flesh, that's what the carnal man will tell you. The carnal woman, that's what the kingdom of this world, that's the standard of this world. When someone hurts you, make them pay for it. But God says, no, 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 no. You got to make a decision. Choose grace over grudge. You got to choose it. Listen, it's a decision to forgive, not an emotion. If you wait on someone, if you wait on your emotions to make you feel like I should love them, you'll never love them. You'll never bless them. You'll never serve them. You'll, it'll never happen. Grace is a decision. God did not just like one day say, I feel like forgiving the world. He made a decision to send his son. His son made a decision to go to the cross. The father made a decision by the power of the Holy Spirit to resurrect the son. And then when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God decides to forgive us. It's a decision, not an emotion. God's not like, I feel like forgiving people today. That's not how it works. It's a decision. Forgiveness is a decision to cancel a debt, to cancel it. You don't owe me anymore. It's a decision. That's why we choose grace over grudge. We don't drift into that. We choose grace over grudge. But, but he says some interesting things here, doesn't he, about grace. He says grace looks like this. Practically, we bless people that curse us. We, we serve people that hate us. And we pray for people that wound us. That's how we practically do it. How do we extend grace? In these ways right here. You know what grace is? Grace is the face that love wears when it encounters an enemy. When grace or when love comes to an enemy, love, love puts grace on and says, I'm going to view them through this filter. That's what God does to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We bless those that curse us. In other words, don't retaliate. Somebody, this is, this is just like practical for you, okay? Don't retaliate. Don't curse, curse them to their face or behind their back. Don't slander them. Don't jab behind their back. Don't drag, them, drag their name in mud. Figure out how you can bless them. Bless them to their face. Bless them behind their back. You know why? It's not, you're not trying to kill them with kindness. You're trying to heal them with kindness. You're, you're trying to allow God to use you're, you're blessing them. Listen, you know how backwards this is that I'm talking to you about? Am I the only one that thinks that this is crazy? This is so bizarre that God would call us to live like this. And that's the point. It's countercultural. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense in this world. But God's called us to flip this world upside down or maybe right side up. It's the way of the kingdom. He says, bless those that curse you, serve those that hate you. What does that mean? Do good. Buy them a cup of coffee, write them a card, open a door, give them your seat. Hmm. There's a guy that was, I got in an argument with this week. And uh, he's a good friend of mine, but we, we just disagreed on something. And I was mad at him and he got mad at me. I think he had a little bit more uh, anger towards me. Uh, but I was mad at him as well. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Text him and tell him you love him. I text him on Monday. I love you. He didn't text me back. Tuesday morning, Holy Spirit said, text him and tell, you, tell him you love him. Text him Tuesday morning, I love you. Didn't text me back. Holy Spirit said Tuesday night, text him that you love him. <sighs> I love you. Wednesday morning, text him again. I love you. I text this guy probably 20 times this week. I love you. Finally, finally, he texted me back Friday. He said, I love you too. It just took me a little while. Thank you for still loving me through my stupidity. 
I don't know. Just a thought. <laughs> it, if, if you, listen, if, if this sounds too hard, like, Jason, I need baby steps. Like, you're asking me, like, can you give me a, a short step? Um, I think he gave us an out here. He gave us, not an out. He gave us, like, an easy, like, first step. He says, then just at least pray for him. If blessing your father is too much for you right now or, or serving your, your, your ex, whatever, then start in prayer. And start praying for those that have offended you. And what will happen is, is God will bring healing to your heart in the process of you praying. You know what? I never had a burden for San Francisco or any of the people, really any of you, until I started praying for you before I ever met you. You know, while we say this at our church, you go somewhere in prayer before you do in person. You want your marriage to be healed? Go there in prayer before you will in person. You want your city to be transformed? Go there in prayer before you do in person. You, 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 you want to restore relationship? Go there in prayer, and that's going to pave the way. And what will happen is God will, send, he will, he will make your heart soft again. You see, when we're offended and hurt, again, our hearts get hard. But in prayer, God's presence comes. His grace comes. His love comes. And he begins to remind us of what he's done in our life. It softens our heart, and now we're in a position to be able to love people with no strings attached. You, you, you know what? You'll start blessing people when it comes out of, out of this place of prayer where the Holy Spirit's working in your life and in your heart. This could be the best step for you. God began to deal with me about forgiving my dad in 2003 or four, and I didn't want to do it, and I fought him for, for a while about it. And finally, I read this verse, and God said, Here's what, if you can't bless your dad, if you can't reconcile with him, if you can't restore the relationship, then just start praying for him. You want, I'll share with you what that first prayer was like. I prayed through my teeth. Mm, you know, mm, God, I pray you bless him. Amen. Next time I pray, God, I pray you bless him indeed. Amen. <laughs> Over time, my prayers got longer and my heart got softer. And I went there in prayer before I did in person. And I was able to forgive my father. Listen to me, for some of you, you just need to, that person right now that you're thinking about, you need to write their name down somewhere in your house. Don't put a target around it. You, <laughs> something happens to them, you're going to need a good alibi, okay? <clears throat> maybe, maybe, yeah, put a circle around it and circle them in prayer and begin to target them with prayer. God, I pray you bless. I, I, my dad, he hurt me so bad, but I said, God, I pray you bless my dad. You know, this was hard. You know, my, my dad got remarried. This was a hard, the hardest one. I prayed, God, I pray you bless my dad's marriage. Oh, I wanted to kill the lady that he was married to. God, just bless. He's got a new life. Just bless it. And over time, God began to soften my heart towards my father. I went there with prayer, in prayer. So, the, so let, me, let, me, let me give you the second one for you really quick. The first one is choose grace over grudge. And then the last one is this. How do we forgive? You got to fix your focus. You got to fix your focus. What, what does that mean? You will never, ever, ever, ever be able to forgive the way Jesus is talking about forgiveness as long as you focus on what they have done and not what he has done. When I read Ephesians chapter 4, I realized that there was a, a key part of this that was the key that unlocked grace in my heart for my father and has been helpful for every person since. He says, get rid of all bitterness in Ephesians 4.31, our text. Get rid of the rage, the anger, the harsh words, the slander. 
as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Here it is right here. Just as. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Paul's telling them, guys, do you want to know how to do what I'm telling you to do? Is you got to stop fixing your focus on how she hurt you and he hurt you and they abandoned you and, and, and this was a wound and that thing. Stop focusing. I'm not saying act like it didn't happen. You may need to go through counseling. You may, may need to revisit those things and sort through some stuff. That's not the point. But he is saying, if you're going to be able to forgive, you have to stop focusing on what he has done and focus on what God has done through Christ Jesus to you. Stop focusing on the pain. Start focusing on the grace of God, how God forgave you, how he loved you, how you were addicted and you were broken and you were confused and you were insecure and you were suicidal and God rescued you. He redeemed you. He forgave you. He put your feet on a solid ground. Start standing in the light of his grace and his mercy. See that in light of this. He was like, the only way you're going to be able to do this is stop focusing on that. Fix your focus. Now, the temptation is, is whenever they do something else stupid, you'll, you'll go back to it. You'll keep shifting your focus, but you have to be vigilant. Your soul is too important. Your life is too important. Your purpose is too important. Your destiny is too important to fix your focus on that. Fix your focus on Jesus, what he has done, how he has forgiven you. I'm telling you, I wrote in my journal when I was flying back from a mission trip this verse, and I wrote down, I need a new point of reference. God, let the cross be my point of reference. Not my dad having an affair, not my dad being verbally or emotionally, or emotionally abusive. Let that not be my focus. Let me just fix my focus on Jesus. God, let me just stand in light of your grace. You fix your focus. And I wrote this down in my journal in 2005. God's grace has the power to extravagantly eclipse the offense of others if we choose to focus on what he's done instead of what they have done. It will eclipse it. It will totally shut that stuff down. Colossians 3, to prove the point even more, make allowance for each other's faults. You know what that means? Have margin of mercy for people. Have margin, extend grace to people and forgive one, anyone who offends you. Listen, remember, Paul says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Max Licato said this, you will never be required to give anyone more grace than God has already given you. Hmm, I love it. I'm going to skip that verse, but let me, let me just share this, and I'll, I'll hurry and wrap up. When I read that this verse, and God, God really helped me to stop focusing on, on what my dad had done to our family and to start focusing on what God had done in my life. God began to soften my heart, began to give me a, I, I really believe that God gave me a supernatural grace to forgive my dad. And what, listen, I'm telling you this because I didn't do this. There is no way I ever could have forgave my dad. It was the work of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God in my heart. And so I, I, I got my dad's number. I texted him in 2004. And I said, hey, would you like to grab a coffee? I hadn't talked to my dad in, I don't know, eight years, maybe almost 10 years. And, um, and we met up at this little coffee shop in Louisiana. We sat there for about an hour and a half, and we just talked about life and all those things. And, and God told me something specifically to say to my dad at the end of our conversation. It was, we talked for an hour and a half and acted like nothing had ever happened. It was really awkward. It's like the elephant in the room. You know those moments. 
And right before I got in my car, I looked at my dad and I said to him what the Holy Spirit told me to say after I read Ephesians 4. I feel like the Holy Spirit said to, to tell my dad this. He said, Dad, and when I started to say something, he just, he just had these tears in his eyes and he just started apologizing and saying he was sorry. And I, I just stopped him. I was like, Dad, listen, I, I, don't, I don't need any of that. I don't, you don't have to tell me you're sorry. You don't have to ask for forgiveness. I said, I have one thing to tell you. Debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. Debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. And the burden of bitterness lifted off of my life. And it felt like my life and my leadership and my ministry went to a whole new level. I was being burdened down by bitterness. And God restored our relationship. We, we started hanging out one, once a week for the next, I don't know, 10 years. We, we, or the next five years, we were able to have this beautiful relationship again. And then my dad had a severe stroke, and he's been struggling with that for the last, you know, for a while. And in February, he went to be with Jesus. But you know what? I stood at my dad's bedside, and many times, and I thought, man, I am so thankful that I didn't hold that grudge anymore. And that I was able, God literally redeemed these, almost the same amount of years we were estranged from each other, he gave us back. I didn't have the picture to throw it on the screen, but I have a picture of myself and my son sitting at my dad's bedside after he'd had a stroke years later. And my dad was a pastor and a preacher. And so I took his Bible with my son sitting on his bed and I just began to read the word of God to him. You know why? Because I wanted to break the cycle of bitterness. I wanted my kids to see me reading the word of God over my dad, restored in a relationship. God wants to do that in every single one of your lives if you're dealing with any type of hurt or or unforgiveness or bitterness. And I just want to pray for you today and pray that if there's an area of your life that is broken and burdened by bitterness, that God's grace today would touch your life and you'd be able to do what in your own strength you'd never be able to do. You'd be able to get over it. Amen? Come on, why don't you bow your heads with me? Lord, we love you so much. And God, we just... We just, we're here in this moment, and what I know is that this is a word that we'll all need at some point, but there's some of us that we needed it right now. We needed it right now in this moment. We needed to hear this because it's not like just some message can change us, but it is a catalyst for change. And you can spark something like a desire in us, but we have to, we have to submit to your leadership and your guidance, and we have to come to you and ask for grace to do what only you can do through our lives. Let me ask this with every head bowed and every eye closed. We normally don't necessarily do a specific altar call and things like that, but if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm, I'm dealing with unforgiveness right now or bitterness right now. I'm hurt by someone and it's hard for me. I can't, haven't been able to get over it. I want you to do this just as a sign of like surrender to God, saying you want, you need God's grace. I want you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just will you lift up your hand real quick? Let me see. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. You can put your hand down. God, I just come to you right now and I lift up my brothers and sisters. And God, I know firsthand experience that sometimes it can just hurt so bad and pain and the grief we feel in our hearts when we're rejected or abused or abandoned or or neglected or forgotten and things are said about us or things are not said to us. It it can hurt so bad. 
But God, I just pray that right now that there would be a spirit of grace, a spirit of healing in this place, and that you'd heal emotions. God, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Yeah. You, you bind up their wounds. You do. You just mend and you heal and you, you bring a wholeness there, God. God, I just speak that over every person that raised their hand in faith. I just pray that you would just right now just begin to just pour grace into their heart. Help them to fix their focus. God, help them to fix their focus on Jesus. God, help them, help them to choose grace over the grudge and help them to choose not to hold on to it any longer. God, I pray that today would be a defining moment where they say yes to you, that, that this is, this is the, a new way they're going to live. They're not going to hold on to that anymore. God, you guide them and you show them how they're to bless or how they're to serve or how they're to pray. You show them their, those things. But God, I pray that today would not stop in this moment, but they'd actually, they'd make a decision. I'm not gonna be in bondage to bitterness. I'm not gonna be imprisoned to, to, to a grudge or to offense or to hurt. I'm not gonna live like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step beyond this. God, I pray you'd stir their heart to be obedient to you, to live submitted to you, and that your grace and your Holy Spirit would help them to extend the grace they hope they someday never need. May they be able to get over it only through your grace and mercy, Jesus. And we thank you for that, God. Last thing is this, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wanna pray with you. If today you say, I'm here, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've never been to church before, or maybe you have, but you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I wanna become a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that if we just call upon the name of Jesus, that we will be saved, we'll be forgiven. We just confess our sins and we say, I'm a sinner and I need you, Jesus. I want to follow you. The Bible says we can be made new in a moment. Would you just pray with me a prayer like this? Just say, Jesus, today I confess I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes. But today I give my life to you. I want to follow you, Jesus. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week on the podcast or live in San Francisco, California. Keep up with life at Sozo Church by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.